So this morning, we are going to begin a, a new study. We're going to start our study in the book of 1 John. So you can open your Bibles up to 1 John if you don't know how to find it. It's in the uh, New Testament towards the end. 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, and then Revelation. So find Revelation and then work your way back because those books are really small. So it's really easy to, uh, to skip and, and hard to find if you don't know how to do it. Um, and as you're looking that up, let me just kind of tell you um, some stuff about 1st John. First, the author is John. Now, 1st John doesn't exactly say, hey, this book was written by John. But um, it's been common knowledge, com commonly accepted, that John wrote it because of the literary style uh, when compared to the Gospel of John and Second John. And then you also have uh, when it was written. Well, some people think it was written as early as maybe in the 60s A.D. However, most people think it's later on in John's life, so it places it more in 90s. AD. And if you look at how it, it's written in some of the phraseology that John uses, I think it lends to the, the latter part of the, the latter days. Also, it's important to know who it was written to. Uh, the book of 1 John was actually written to the Ephesians, and uh, specifically, however, it was also uh, most of the churches in Asia, because that's what they did. When somebody, uh, the, when one of the apostles would write a book, they would give it to a church, it would send to a church, and then they would make copies, and it would network out so that other churches would also read, get a chance to read it. So Christians in, um, in Ephesus, and that's important to remember too, as we're reading this book, it was written to believers. Because, how, uh, because of that, it's going to affect how we take some of the verses and, and the passages in First John. Now it was written for... Um, Several different reasons, but one of the reasons was to encourage Christians. Do Christians ever need encouragement? Do you ever need encouragement? Yeah, sometimes we do. And so that's one of the reasons uh, was for encouragement. Another reason was just to assure the Christians of their salvation. Because sometimes we as believers doubt. Am I saved? Am I not saved? What's going on here? So one of it was one of the reasons was to just assure Christians of their salvation. Another reason uh, why John wrote this book was to help uh, defend against false teachers. Because do false teachers or does false doctrine ever infiltrate the church? It does, and sometimes I wonder how can you know when we. When we say we, we believe the Bible, we, we trust in it, we follow it, how can false doctrine come in? Well, it's because a lot of times false doctrine, it sounds good. And not only does it sound good, but there is some truth behind it as well. And when I was initially preparing for this message, I wasn't going to uh, mention this, but as I got into it, I felt like the Lord was leading me to talk. Who here watched the Super Bowl last week? There was a commercial that was on. I guess it was on twice. I only saw it once. You may know what I'm talking about. Hashtag he gets up. Now, some of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you probably did not like that commercial at all. Some of you probably really enjoyed it. So the question is, 
is it good or bad? So we have to look at it. And my initial response, I'll be honest, my initial response was, I can't believe they did this. And then I got, a, you know, online, I had some friends who had some different views on it. And, okay, I, I can kind of see their point of view on it, so maybe it's good. But what's, what's the truth? Well, as, you, as we go into it, the, the message, the phrase, is he gets us. Is that true or false? Does Jesus get us? Does he understand us? That is absolutely true. He gets us. Why? Because he came to earth and lived life like you and me. Was he tempted like you and me? Yeah. Yet without sin. So he's been where you are. So he understands the pain, the sorrow, the, the temptation. He understands. The problem or the, the concern with the he gets us is that it can be he gets us and he understands where we are. He understands our struggles and that he's okay with our struggles and we can just live our lives. It's kind of like you do you. Yeah, it sounds good. You do you. You do what, what, what you want. You know, we have different interests. Some of us like to do this. Some of us like to do that. So you do you. Yeah, it sounds good. But when you take it all the way through, it's, it ends up being chaos because I do what I want to do. You do what you want to do. And everything is true as long as it's true to you. And does that work? No. No, if the IRS comes after you and says, you owe taxes, you say, well, I don't think so. The IRS would be like, oh, okay. You do you. That's that's fine. You don't owe us anything. Do you see that working? I don't. And I don't recommend you doing that. Okay. But it's easy for something that's true, as in he gets us, for us to be, yeah, he gets us, and let's celebrate our diversity, which is okay. But when it comes to sin, does God want us to stay in our sin? No. He wants us to grow. He the Bible says, right, be holy as I am holy. And so it's one of those things that it's it's true and, it, and it, it sounds good. And there's biblical scripture to back it up. But we need to be careful. Because if we're not, we can take that to an extreme. You know, because he gets us is only partial truth. Not that it's not true, but it's only partial. And we need to take all of scripture, not just bits and pieces of it. And, uh, but it's been interesting to watch people online and social media, you know, for and against, and they're both using scripture. And I think sometimes they're using it rightly for both ends, and sometimes I think they're using it, it poorly. But it's so important for us as believers, us as a church, to know what the Bible says, so that when sin creeps in, we take care of it. Because can we just ignore it and it go away? No. We can't. It only gets it only gets worse. So today, as we go through 1 John, the main theme that I see in 1 John, because it's written to Christians, but a question that I think we need to ask ourselves is, are you saved? You come to church, does that make you saved? No. Sometimes we doubt our salvation. Sometimes, and you know, maybe if you receive Christ as your Savior at a young age, 
as you're growing up, you're, you question, am I saved? I know I said that prayer, but, but was it enough, you know, this or that? Well, we're going to go through some stuff today and, and as we progress. Questions that you can ask yourself, are you saved? Because I don't know if you're saved or not. It's not my place to say, yeah, you're saved. No, you're not. But the way we answer some questions can help either solidify or maybe create some positive doubt, some healthy doubt. Like, you know what? Maybe I'm not saved. Just because my parents went to church, just because I go to church, just because I do this or do that, maybe I'm not because I I would be saddened if you come to Moreland Baptist for years and you die and you realize you're not saved. You thought you were because of this or that, so it's healthy for us. Is it healthy for us to question our salvation? Yeah. Is it is it healthy for us to question our faith, what we believe? We need to question from time to time because we don't want just blind ignorance. We need to make sure that what we believe really is the truth because who wants to go through life Believing in the wrong thing. I don't. I want to make sure that what I believe is right. And there's a healthy way to question faith, and there's an, un, an unhealthy way to question it. But it's good. And today specifically, we're going to focus on fellowship, not just any kind of fellowship, but true fellowship. What does that look like? What does that mean? How does that affect our lives? Do you want fellowship? Do you desire true fellowship? Before we get into 1 John, let's just bow our heads. Lord, we come before you this morning and we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to spend time in your word. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would remove any distractions that we might have, Lord. We know that this world is busy and we all have things to do. Things to do as, as soon as we're done here. Lord, I just pray that you would keep us focused on you and your word. I pray that you would be with me. Lord, help me to um, speak the truth. Lord, help me to speak your word and not my word. And Lord, I just pray that um, your word would affect all of our lives, everyone here. Lord, that as we leave here today, we would have a desire to, to follow you even more so than when we woke up this morning. So this first part of chapter 1 in, in John talks about the nature of God. Who God is and why that's important. Is it important to know who our God is? His nature? Yeah, now this doesn't talk about everything about who God is, but it, it talks about a couple of different points that are very important. But how can we, why can we trust John's writing? How can we trust First John? Well, he starts off by saying, we are witnesses. We're witnesses. And is it important to trust other people? In, in the court of law, do they rely on witnesses? Yeah. And the testimony of one person is good, not always reliable, not always credible, but one witness is good. How are two witnesses in, in court? Do you trust two witnesses? Yeah. Now think about 11 witnesses plus. If you have 11 plus people come into court and say, hey, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened, and they all agree, can you deny that with the court? Say, sorry, you guys speaking to me. No, you would believe it. But that's something for us as believers because 
Jesus was on earth how many years ago? 2,000 years ago. So did you see Jesus speak? Did you see him do ministry? Did you see him do miracles? I didn't, not in, in that context. But can we believe it's true? We have, we have eyewitness accounts, and they wrote it down. They wrote it down. So let's read about how good these witnesses are. Let's read the first four verses. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things, so that our joy may be complete. Okay, do you see that his witness here? He's like, we're witnesses. Why? We heard Jesus. We heard him. An, an audible witness. Not only that, but we saw him. Not only that, but we looked at him. And not only that, but we touched him. Okay. So think about that for, as far as a witness goes. A witness who overhears a conversation. Yeah, that's good. Can you ever overhear a conversation and maybe get it off a little bit? Sometimes, right? You only you come in, you only hear part of the conversation. But still, he heard Jesus. Not only that, but he saw. Now, it says here he saw and he looked. Is there a difference between seeing and looking? Yeah, because you see, right? You go to a place and you see tons of people. But how many people do you actually see? A witness, again, can see somebody. I was just watching a show the other day, and, and the witness said, yeah, I saw that person. Yeah, but you saw him at like 40 yards away for like three seconds. Did you see him? Well, maybe, but did you get a good look at him? No, I didn't get a good look. And so these apostles, and that's who John's referring to here, we not only saw Jesus, but we looked. We intently, we know about him. And not only that, but we also touch him. Now, why would he Why would he say this? It's when he's talking about the, the nature of God here, why is he saying this? It's because there were some false teachers saying that God really didn't come down. That Jesus was just a spirit. Just a figment of their imagination. Jesus wasn't real. Or maybe Jesus was here, but Jesus wasn't really but he says, hey, we're witnessing, right? And God became flesh. God became flesh, right? Concerning That's how you touch. But concerning the word of life. Now, some translations, word is capitalized. Some it's not. Because they, they take that the word of life is who? Jesus. Does John ever use the word word to refer to Jesus? Yes, he does. John 1.1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning was? The word, the word, speaking about Jesus. And so he was here. The Father, right, was made manifest to us. Jesus was God in the flesh. 
And what else do we know about the nature of God? Right? Not only is he spirit, but he was physical, but he desires fellowship. Verse 3 again. Um, and indeed, our fellowship, well, a little before that, right? so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with God. God desires to have fellowship with you. Think about that. He doesn't just see you as a number. Oh, there's Tyler Housek, number, Christian number, you know, 4,238 or whatever. Right? You're not just a number. You're a person. And John is saying, we have fellowship with one another. We want you to have fellowship with us as we have fellowship with God. And he's going to get into that in this chapter, how we can have fellowship with God. And as such, we will have fellowship with fellow believers. And if God desires fellowship, do you think we should desire fellowship? God desires fellowship with you. Should you desire to have fellowship with him? Yes. Yes, we should. But then John goes on, and he talks about the reality of sin. Is sin real? It's real. And we've, we've defined sin here. How do we define sin? We, we do it with the children, but it works for adults as well, because whether you're a child or an adult, we all sin. If you know it, you can say it with me, but sin is anything you think, say, or do that does not please God or breaks his laws. That is, that is sin. It's anything contrary to God's word. And it's talked about here with the reality of sin. The first thing we need to realize on why there is such a thing as sin is because God is holy. God is holy. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, right, Jesus Christ, and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Light and darkness. Can they coexist? I've used this illustration before, but if there is darkness in a room, what happens once you turn the light on? Provided the electricity. It disappears. How, how long does it take for the light to defeat darkness? It's instant. It's instant. And God is light. There's no darkness. He's holy. No sin in him at all. That is crucial. So many times, so many times, so many religions is, you know, sometimes their God, their God comes down. Some, a lot of times we have to work our way to God. And gods are not always pleasant. A lot of false gods, are they holy? No, they are anything but. But our God is holy. He's light. How much sin is in him? None. Not even, not even a speck. No sin. However, we, are we holy? Are we perfect? No, we are sinners. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Think about that for a second. Fellowship with God. If we say we have fellowship with God, the light, 
holiness, and yet we're living, walking in darkness, sin, do we have fellowship? Right? So this is something that we need to realize. Who, who is John writing this to? Christians. He's writing this to Christians. Can Christians lose fellowship with God? Yes. Can we lose our salvation with God? No, see, when, when you become a child of God, God adopts you. You're brought into his family. Everybody here has family, one way or the other. Brothers, sisters, parents, children. Do you always have fellowship with one another? No. Are you always related to one another? Yes. Whether you like it or not. But when sin comes, when sin happens between you and your family, does it hurt the fellowship? Yeah, sometimes you're, you're friends with somebody and you get along so well, but then one person does something to offend the other. They sin against you. And then the next time you're in that room together, do you feel tension? That fellowship is broken. Not the relationship, because you're still related to that person. But the fellowship is, is broken. So let me read that again, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, we say, hey, we are one with God. While we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. Are there Christians who say they're holy, that they have a good relationship with Christ, good fellowship, and yet come living in sin? It happens. Have you ever been there? Have you, in your Christian life, ever walked in darkness rather than light. I know there's been there's been periods in my life, and I've shared this before, but there was a, a time specifically I can remember in my life where I walked in darkness. I told God to take a hike. I don't need you anymore. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And you can just kick rocks. I go back and I'm like, man, how could I ever do that? But you know what else? And this is just me. I only did that for about three months. And then I realized I didn't have that fellowship with him that I so desperately needed and desired and I missed. So you have to ask yourself, do you have fellowship with God right now? you have a close fellowship with him? If you do, great. If you don't, why don't you? It could be that you are saved and you're just in a place right now where you just really don't care about God. Or it could be that you're not his child. Just because you don't have fellowship with him right now doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you don't have fellowship. And we as Christians can't. We can't live in sin and still have fellowship. When this world says, do what you want to do, it doesn't matter how you live your life. You always have fellowship. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. 
you can't live in darkness and live in light at the same time. It's either one or the other. And we need to choose. But it's a struggle because we're sinners. But as believers, hopefully our desire is to maintain fellowship. Let's read verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see that when we walk in the light, when we have right fellowship with God, who else do we have right fellowship with? Fellow believers who are also walking in the light. So when we're doing what God wants us to do, we have friends. We have people that we can hang out with and have conversations with. And isn't it so encouraging to have a conversation with somebody who is also walking in the light? Have you ever had a conversation with a Christian who's not walking in the light? Is that encouraging or dis? It's discouraging. It hurts. It's so sad. I remember having a conversation with this gentleman, and uh, I think he's saved. But I remember having a conversation with him years ago, saying, I know how I'm living my life now, but once I have kids, then I'll straighten up. Then I will walk in the light. Well, guess what happened after he had kids? I think now he might. There are several times he, he's tried and, and, and has rededicated his life to the Lord. And every time I hope it's true because I know, I know he wants that. But if we walk in the light, we've got to get rid of the darkness, we can't bring it along with us. And don't wait until, oh, when I'm older, then I'll do it. Don't do that. You are going to miss out on the right fellowship. So how do we, how do we keep our, our faith? How do we keep our walk in the light? Well, there's, a, there's power in confession. And when I talk about confession, I don't mean that you have to come to me and share with me all of your sinful deeds. Please don't do that. Honestly, I don't want to know. Okay? I don't want to know. But there's power in confession. Have you ever confessed your sin to somebody else? Maybe maybe you did something wrong and, and that relationship has been broken, right? That fellowship is just not close. And when you confess or when they confess to you, and there's forgiveness, man. That relationship, that fellowship is restored. It's amazing. Well, how does that happen? First, for a Christian, we need to realize that nobody, not even you, that nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. Let's read verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Is anybody here perfect? Is there anybody here who's better than anybody else who's here? That might get a little bit of a different answer. Oh, I was going to pick on Bob Brown. He just stepped out. I was going to say, oh, I'm better than him. But he stepped out, so I can't say that. So I won't. He'll be back. But it's so easy for us. How many of you are guilty? You don't have to raise your hand, because I think everybody's hand would go up. Are guilty of thinking, I'm so glad I'm not that person so glad I don't do 
what they do or did what they did? Are we guilty of that, thinking that we're better than somebody else? How many of us, sometimes we think that we are perfect. Man, I've arrived. I've done, I've done good. I do well. When reality is, is there's nobody perfect, even Christians. Even those who have been Christians for decades. Still not perfect. Still not perfect. And we need to remember that God is forgiving. God is forgiving. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now again, who is 1 John written to? It's written to Christians, to believers. And this verse, and I've used it too, I've used this verse to, uh, to for non-believers. Because right? as a non-believer, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will God forgive the sins of an, of an unbeliever if they confess them? Yeah. But this verse specifically isn't talking about that. It's talking about for us as believers if we confess our sins. Now, I used to pride myself, not that you should, but I used to pride myself in honesty. Because I thought I never lied. I always spoke. And then several years ago, I was going through a devotional, and it challenged me to think throughout the day how, how honest I am. I was like, oh, this will be easy, because I'm honest. I never lie. Well, guess what? When I started counting up, you know how many times I lied throughout the day? It is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm talking lies like I'd be you know, driving to work, and I'd be talking to my wife on the phone, you know, Bluetooth, that was, that was legal. And I'd be like, honey, I, I'm at work. I need, to, I need to listen. The problem was, I wasn't at work. I was like 30 feet away. I was getting ready to pull into the, to the parking lot. Now, some of you may say, well, that's just a little white lie. Right? How many of you would say, that's just a little white lie? It doesn't really matter. Oh, <laughs> Is that a lie? It is. It's a lie. We may call it a little white lie. But let me ask you, and when I counted those up, I was awestruck. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I'm a liar. <laughs> me, a liar. I thought I was an honest person. No, I'm a liar. When was the last time you said? Can you remember? you sin today yet? I did. Maybe you didn't sin today. What about last week? Did you sin last week? Last month? How many of you, maybe you can't remember the last time you sinned? Is that a dangerous place to be? Yeah, because we are sinners. Chances are you sinned this morning. You may not be aware of it. Just like I wasn't aware that I was perpetual, perpetual, liar, chronic liar. I thought I spoke the truth, but when I really looked at my life, I challenge you, if, if you think that you didn't sin yet today, I think you're a liar. Not to call you out, but I think you're a liar. You may not be aware of it, but sin, sin is kind of like Sometimes it starts with your mind, 
and this is my struggle. I start with, I have a sinful thought. And I got to crush it because what happens if you take that and just, you know, I'm just going to think about this just for a little bit. And you eat that chip. What happens? You go back and, oh, it was so good. And it was just one chip. And you take another, take another chip. And how many of you have eaten the whole bag of chips without realizing it? Like, oh my word. Sin can be like that. And I know it is for me. If I get that temptation, and I just like, oh, okay. You know, let me just think about it for a little bit. A little bit's not going to hurt. Before long, the whole bag is empty. And I'm ready to reach for the other bag. We need to be careful, and we need to be aware. And when those thoughts come, those temptations come, just wash it. Because as you give in to that temptation, guess what? It gets harder and harder to put the bag away. It's best just to leave it in the pantry. Better yet, it's best not to even buy it, so it's not on the house. But God is forgiving. When you sin, which you will, which you do, which you have, go to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you sin, when you sin, our fellowship with God is, is ruined. But He desires that fellowship. And if we desire that fellowship too, we can have it. He will forgive us. Now, how often should we confess? Well, I think we need to confess daily and maybe multiple times a day. Verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If we say, Oh, I haven't sinned. I've been good for this year so far. I haven't sinned. No, since I became a Christian, I've never sinned. If you say you have no sin, what do you call God? Anybody want to do that? Hey, God, you're a liar. Anybody brave enough or maybe not smart enough to do that? No. No. So, so think about this. God is holy. God is light. Sin is the opposite of holiness. Sin is darkness. To have true fellowship with God, where do we need to be walking? In the light. Can we walk in darkness and have fellowship with Him? So my question for you is, where are you walking today? Not where did you walk 10 years ago. Where are you walking today? Are you walking in the light? If you are, that's awesome. And you can have fellowship with God. And you can have fellowship with other believers who are also walking in the light. Or are you walking in darkness today? And are you just maybe putting up a front? Because you don't want anybody else to know that you're walking in darkness. Who here struggles with a specific sin? Something around it. 
I think we all do. Guess what? Somebody else in this room struggles with that same sin. There are some of us that struggle with, with whatever, right? You name it, we struggle with it. Honesty, dedication, um, all sorts of stuff. But you're not alone. Jesus Christ came and he was tempted just like you. He understands the struggles that we face. Think about that. Jesus growing up, do you think he had siblings? Do you think he ever struggled? Do you think he was ever tempted to, to get even with his siblings? I think he was tempted. I think he was tempted. How hard is it not to react to what your siblings do? Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Do you think Jesus ever struggled? You know, he had women working with him. Do you think Jesus ever struggled? With maybe sexual sin, perhaps? Do you think he ever was tempted? The Bible says what? He was tempted and just like we are. Yet, without what? Without sin. See, the temptation isn't the sin. It's taking that chip, right? It's giving into that temptation. That's the problem. I mean, we, we kind of think that Jesus was only tempted three times. Right? He went to the wilderness for 40 days, was tempted three times. After that, he was fine. No, I think he was tempted throughout his life. Yet without sin. Whatever you struggle with, whatever it is, Jesus, right? He gets you. He understands you. But just because you sin, because does he want you walking in darkness? No, he doesn't want you walking in darkness. He understands what you're going through, but he also knows that that, that, that is not what Walking around in, in an unfamiliar room in darkness, what happens? You miss a step. That happened, I know. I'm not going to mention names, but somebody was walking in an unfamiliar place. It was dark. Didn't realize that there was a step there. Missed it. Realized it real quick that there was a step there. That's what happens when we, as Christians, when we walk in darkness. Don't walk in darkness walk in the light.